You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Five Things to Watch. Five things to watch here on KC Sports Network, getting you ready for Chiefs Packers on Sunday night football in Lambeau. Maddie Lane, hi, how are we? Oh, I'm ready to be leaping into this uh, Packers game here on Sunday night. I, I'm, I'm ready, Craig, you? Yeah, of course I'm ready. I'm ready to watch Steve Spagnuolo put on another masterclass. Uh, I believe, if I'm counting, this will be number 12 on the year. Number 12 for Steve Spagnuolo. You're going to hear from us. You're going to hear uh, from a bunch of different voices here on KC Sports Network. We are going to give you two things to watch today. Normally give you one, but, you know, we, we're just so excited about this game, we decided to give you two. We're going to start with the offense, of course, as always. Uh, one thing that the Packers have struggled with, Matthew, is tackling. I think the Chiefs are going to try to make the Packers miss some tackles. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good idea going into a football game is to make the opposing team miss some tackles. Interesting. Um, however, the the Packers in particular have been, have not tackled well this year. They have missed over 100 tackles on the year. For context, the Chiefs have been pretty good at it, and they've only missed 71. So like, there's a pretty big gap there between the Chiefs and the Packers. I think what we saw last week from the Chiefs against the Raiders was putting the ball out into the skill players' hands quickly and then, well, challenging guys like Marcus Peters to make a tackle in the open field. And we saw how that went. It got him cut. And so getting the ball out to Rasheed Rice, getting the ball out to Pacheco, Sky Moore, all these different players, and saying, hey, we know you guys haven't been good at tackling, specifically in the secondary, why don't you guys go out and try to tackle our skill players who have proven to be pretty good, especially if Kadarius Tony can come back, you get Rasheed Rice going, get some of these guys going down the field, in the open field, and make these Packers players, you know, make these tackles and it's cold. It might be a little bit snowy. It's sometimes that's a hard field position to change direction. It's always going to be a little bit easier for the offensive players. Like I think you could see some big yak production from the Chiefs in this game, just given the matchup that's coming up with them here against the Packers. And the Chiefs just got done running a very like screen heavy, you know, bubble screens, you know, check downs, running backs, those sorts of things, putting those guys in space, allowing them, you know, space to run into the secondary and against a Green Bay Packers defense that struggles to bring guys to the ground. This is the perfect time for that. Let Rishi Rice run in through some of that. Let, let's see maybe a little bit of Isaiah Pacheco, Clyde Edwards, Alaire out in space and force these guys to have to come up and make a play, especially the safeties. They've not been particularly good coming downhill, filling the alley. Challenge them to be better players, better football players, better tacklers than they have been throughout this season, you can still get away with running a lot of the simple stuff that we saw the Chiefs run last week against the Las Vegas Raiders and get the opportunity to make these guys miss in space. So I think that's a good way to keep things simple and still create plenty of yardage, plenty of ball movement, plenty of efficiency on offense. You know, and I think, you know, uh, going against a team that struggles to tackle consistently, actually, it, it plays well to some of the stuff that we've seen this team have success with recently, you know, and, you know, we talked about how, you know, the offense kind of got going a little bit with some of the manufactured touches and the screen game and like, okay, this is a great opportunity for that to manifest itself there too, right? Because, I mean, hey, the Chiefs relied on yards after the catch last week. That was a good thing. It worked really well. So let's see if they can, uh, let's see if they can do the same thing that they had, uh, you know, that they kind of had last week. 
And the Chiefs relying on yards after the catch, that's what they do consistently. But I mean, like right now, they're number one in the NFL in yards after the catch. Like that is the one thing offensively that they are doing better than any other team. Them and then the commanders. I wonder if you can draw any direct correlations there. Mm. Uh, But the Chiefs are leading the NFL right now in yards after the catch. I think we all saw them kind of hit, you know, get hit the ground running a little bit. They started to figure some stuff out offensively last week versus the Raiders. And a lot of that was creating yards after the catch, throwing a lot of screens, keeping the ball short, getting it out on time. I don't think you can build the entire offense out of that. But this particular matchup, which the Packers, a team that, you know, isn't going to do a whole lot to give you exotic looks. They're not going to change what they do a ton. So you can have good looks. You should be able to scheme up players getting in the open field relatively frequently. The Packers try to win on execution and they haven't been executing well in terms of bringing a ball carrier down. So seeing these guys open, get them in the open field and then you know, do what you do best right now. I just go continue to run after the catch. I, I think you could have a lot of big plays come from the Chiefs that way. Do you do you know where Andy Reid is at his best? But he knows generally where the defense is going to be, and the picture's not going to change very much. He's going to have all sorts of looks and all sorts of things that may seem basic, but are putting a lot on the plate of these players on the Green Bay Packers defense. Make them overthink things. Make them overrun some of the angles a little bit. Use the explosive nature of the wide receivers that you have on that team. We talk about all the time where where their shortcomings are. There are a lot of very explosive players in this wide receiving core, so utilize them to try and eliminate those angles for the defense. All right, let's move on to point number two. We're going to the defensive side of the ball. Want to see the safeties get involved a little bit better, play a little bit better this week, play a little, a little more consistent consistency, right, Craig? Yeah, absolutely. We, we've seen good safety play throughout this season. Justin Reed has been a quality football player. Brian Cook has been good throughout the year. Mike Edwards has made some fantastic plays. But it's been a couple of weeks since we've kind of seen that elevated to the level that we had seen before. I want to see more of that because we are going to see a lot of explosive plays for the Green Bay Packers. They are going to attempt those down the field. Mike Edwards is seeing more time on the field. Now is a time where he needs to show up. Now is a time where you need to see Brian Cook and Justin Reed making sure that they are staying over the top of these guys, giving the cornerbacks help because there are going to be plenty of opportunities for the Green Bay Packers to go downfield. That is what their offense is built off of, and they are going to try and hit them a lot. They can't play to the level that they have over the past couple of games. We need to see some of that early season safety play again. We know it's in them. We know that these te- these guys are capable of playing at a high level. That is one of the few areas where the Green Bay Packers offense, when you look at it on tape, you cannot have poor safety play against this team because they will beat you with explosive plays. Chiefs have been really good at limiting those so far this week. Safety play is going to be paramount to continuing that. Yeah, and especially when you kind of look at this Packers offense and how they've been evolving throughout the year, they've been pushing the ball downfield vertically a lot more frequently, and they've been doing it better. So you're going to want to keep, you know, these safeties, when they're playing deep, they can't take anything underneath. They can't let guys get behind them, especially if cornerbacks are expecting help. And then you look at the athleticism of this Packers wide receiver room. They're really athletic guys. That's all they draft is big athletic players at the wide receiver position. That's kind of like their entire draft philosophy. So the safeties are going to have to be able to remain deep. They're going to have to, you know, play, do their job correctly. We've seen in some games here recently where Justin Reed gets a little out of position. We've seen some games where Brian Cook has, you know, misread some plays and let guys get behind him. I think Mike Edwards, even these past few weeks, has made a couple wrong reads on some plays. We need to start trending back in the direction. And I do think part of it 
is that the Chiefs are running a little bit more extra stuff. They're doing more rotations. They're getting a little bit more exotic, not just in their coverage, but like they're expanding their defensive playbook as the year goes on, just like they do every year. That is putting more pressure on these safeties. It's giving them more options, more things to look at. They just need to make sure they're on their P's and Q's for this game because if they're not, the Packers are you know a, a walking big play with some of those players that they have and the way Jordan Love's been playing, throwing the ball downfield. It is always fun talking shop with my two friends, Craig and Maddie. Now, let's talk to Barbershop. What you got, Sean Barber? Hey, how you doing? This is Sean Barber from The Process. And my one thing to watch this week versus the Green Bay Packers, it's kind of a, a, a mindset or a collective agreement that there are some teams in the NFL that are definitely on the, uh, on the brink of a second-half surge. We talk about the Denver Broncos. We talk about the Houston Texans. We talk about the Dallas Cowboys and, yes, the Green Bay Packers. All of those teams in the last four weeks are kind of revived. They're kind of like the Phoenix rising out of the ash. These teams would have been uh, almost thought of as afterthoughts or not playoff teams just about three or four weeks ago. And all four of these teams are getting consistent quarterback play. They're getting unnamed and unknown wide receivers rise to the occasion throughout the game defensively. They're getting an extreme amount of pressure on the quarterback, and then they're getting really good red zone defense. So I think those four factors is something that we got to hope that we evolve or uh, and somehow have a solution for when it comes to our game Sunday against the Packers is we got to be very good offensively in the red zone. We got to be very good at protecting our quarterback. We have to take our secondary and make sure that that's a strength against what, what I believe is not a strength when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. They have no true number one wide receiver, but we can't let the collectiveness of all three of those wide receivers, um, uh, Watson, um, Dobbs, and Reed, become collectively um, a, a significant part of their uh, passing game. And then we, we got to take care of the running back. Um, uh, A.J. Is a, is, a, is, a, is a bowling ball of a running back, and we, if we can avoid him um, shortening the chains and keeping them on, on schedule, then our defense will um, be able to make some plays, uh, pressure Jordan Love, force him to make some mistakes. He's been pretty clean for the last three weeks um, and leading his team to wins over the Chargers, the Broncos, um, and then most recently upsetting the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. So what I think that this team needs to do, the one thing they need to do is not allow this second half surge um, from the Green Bay Packers to be something that knocks us off of schedule. We got to stay to the course, do what we're doing, defensively keep evolving at all three levels, and offensively, let's continue to stay in rhythm and stay on stride. So that is my thing to watch with the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Green Bay Packers. Back to you. Thanks, as always, to our guy, Sean Barber, always dropping the knowledge. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. Hey everyone, this is BJ Kissel. We'll get right back to the show. I just need a minute to share some important news, but as always, thank you for the support. The KCSN Foundation just launched our third annual Soul of KC Holiday Raffle and Toy Drive. 
and it benefits Operation Breakthrough's Christmas store. This campaign has raised more than $35,000 over the past two years, helping provide a better Christmas for kids in our community. And it's simple. We sell raffle tickets for a chance to win any of the more than 20 fantastic prizes that we have available this year. It's things like a Travis Kelsey autographed full-size Chiefs helmet, or a Chris Jones autographed jersey, a George Karloftis jersey. How about a Patrick Mahomes autographed mini helmet? We've got gift cards to local restaurants like Capitol Grill, Mission Taco Joint, or Third Street Social. You can find the full list of prizes on our social media accounts, or you can click the link in the description of this show. Again, all of the proceeds go to buying presents for Operation Breakthrough's Christmas store, and you can get tickets now through December 4th. Help us continue to help others, because that's what the KCSN Foundation is all about. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. The holiday season is just around the corner, and it may be a time of gift giving or spending time together with your family. But during this time, you get to define what gift you might give to yourself. The holiday season can also be a time of extra added stress to your life. Whether it's extra stress from possible holiday travel or extra financial stress of gift giving during holiday season, or maybe just stress from being around family. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easy on yourself during tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com KCSN to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us here on Five Things. You're getting different perspectives from a lot of different people across KC Sports Network. And now it is time to hear from the guys from outside the trenches. Yep, Tucker Franklin, Brian Henley, Nick Leckie, talking about the trenches. All right, welcome in here. Outside the trenches, checking in with you guys. Of course, you guys know we're talking about the trenches. That's what we do here on Outside the Trenches, hanging out with Nick Leckie. Big B, Brian Hanley, talking about the Chiefs offensive line. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs. Chiefs offensive line versus the Packers defensive line. Packers coming off of a big game against the Detroit Lions where they had a guy have a pretty big performance, Big B. Yeah, I mean, he got after the Detroit Lions. Um, almost, it, it, it looked like they weren't even trying to block him some of the yeah. time. He was just physically whipping them. Um, so it, it's... 
it'll be a challenge for the Chiefs. Um, he'll, he'll be able to pick which side he wants to be on. I'm pretty sure that's what that's what a lot of defensive ends that don't have two dominating ends anymore do. They just kind of decide where they feel comfortable. Uh, so he's going to move around, and uh, it'll be tough. Packers are playing; their defense is playing really well, especially the inside or just the defensive line in general is starting to play really, really well. You know, I I think for me, for for talking about the Packers defensive, you know, I, I like. Did you say Rashawn Gary? Uh, I don't think we said his name, but that's who we're talking about. Yes. Okay, Rashawn Gary. Okay, so on, and then his bookend too, uh, Preston Smith, right? 6'5", yeah. 261. That dude put a spin move on Panay Suel and hurt me. And it was textbook. <laughs> and it was like, Panay Suel is legit. He's like third, fourth year guy at Oregon. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he is legit. And he put a spin move on him. And I was like, good God almighty. Watch the 80s dropping back in a pass coverage. Preston Smith, the big body, Miss State, like, man, it's Chris Jones uh, alumnus category type stuff. And uh, if I'm, you know, Andre Smith or Juwan Taylor, man, I'm I'm like, hey, give me some help over here. Third and medium plus, I need help. Just presence. Just, just some presence. You know, Kelsey, come here, rub some Taylor Swift dust on me, and then get going. That's what I was going to say. I, I think that they'll do a little bit of what they've done with the Kelsey split in tight. Like he's 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 off the line of scrimmage in a two point stance. The tight kind of splits, and so it allows like Rashawn Gary, whoever it is, over there to kind of widen out a little bit more and have the chip and then have the help basically there is what they've done a few times to kind of negate some of these uh, top tier pass rushers and looking at it. Do what you want with PFF grades, but it's a it's a good little point to kind of to kind of navigate a conversation from looking at Rashawn Gary, ninety one point nine defensive grade, second highest grade on the uh, Green Bay Packers team from that game uh, against the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving with everyone watching. Pass rush grade of ninety point two. So he had an elite day rushing the passer. Had an elite day uh, all over. It had four total pressures according to PFF with uh, three sacks. One hurry on that side of the ball, too. Clay Walker, another guy I want to throw out there because a the guy I like yep. coming out of Georgia, he's uh, he's a very solid football player. They got some good linebackers. So that second level, it's going to be an interesting uh, sledding there for the Chiefs running the football. They ran it. They didn't run it very well against, actually, the uh, the Raiders, maybe as well as we anticipated them to turn against the Raiders. So maybe they try to get back on track, but it's going to be tough sledding against them to kind of maybe – Pull back the reins on Rashawn Gary a little bit. Say, hey, we're going to run this football. We're going to run it down your throat so you don't have to. You got to you got to hold up a little bit so you can't get after the quarterback. I'm sure Andy will have those those things all schemed up. But let's flip to the other side of the ball. Chiefs defense started off a little shaky against the Raiders uh, on uh, on Sunday, but then they turned it around. They looked just fine once it came down to it. Chris Jones even sticking his nose in the run game a little bit when it came up when it mattered. Big B. Uh, what do you think about this uh, Chiefs defensive line going up against this uh, Green Bay Packers offensive line? Well, the first thing is is that they're going to be without Aaron Jones in the backfield because yeah. he is hurt again. So I think – I don't know if the Chiefs will be able to feast per se, but I think they're going to be able to handle and manage the Packers offensive line. I, I, I just believe that they're going to be able to have their way, keep them in a lot of third and long situations, which again – is key to the Chiefs' success because the Chiefs can get after the passer. They 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 absolutely can do that. And I know it doesn't always equate to, you know, seven, eight sacks a game or anything crazy like that, but they can put some pressure on a quarterback. So 
I, I believe the Chiefs are still they're they're going to be able to do that. I think they'll have their way with Packers off. Yeah, you know, I think so. I, I think you know they're, they're playing. Packers got Zach Tom playing right tackle, and I think him versus Amenhu. Who I think Amenhu is is that guy who's going to help them in the playoffs for for the Chiefs. I mean, big body defensive end can just do a bunch of things. He's got that that slender frame, and I just love the way he plays. And he just always he knows how to turn it on late. He knows when you need it, and so for him, you know, all this attention gets put on Carlos, Dana, and um. You know Chris Jones, but it's like Omenahu is like he's coming in, man. He knows how to f- thrive in that system, especially with Chris Jones being that focal point. Yep, Omenahu's yep. really underrated, really underrated. I agree. You brought him up, Nick. Uh, George Karloftis now has the team lead in sacks, uh, surpassed Chris Jones with his one sack on uh, on Sunday on in Las Vegas. Sack his old teammate, uh, Aiden O'Connell, the old the former Purdue Boilermaker. He's been playing well. Yeah, has a lot of pressures. He's up there with the big dogs, too. Don't forget about Drew Trenkel on the second level. He's been playing really well at the linebacker spot with Nick Bolden, uh, who has been activated. His his practice window has been activated uh, for him this time. So uh, we'll hopefully get to see Nick Bolden a little bit soon. Drew Trenkel's been doing well. He's been playing well in the in the interim there. I believe he actually had the highest graded uh, PFF grade from. He did. He had the highest PFF grade from uh, the Chiefs-Raiders game this last week. So he's been playing well. The linebackers playing well. Chiefs defense humming at a great level. Let's send it back to you guys uh, for more five things. Thanks to the guys over at Outside the Trenches. Always great hearing from them. And now it's time to get weird. Only weird games. Josh Briscoe, Seth Kaiser, Joshua, hello. All right, here's two-thirds of the weird games crew. Honestly, that still might be too much. Joshua Briscoe and Seth Kaiser with you to take a couple of Cracks at this game, Chiefs and Packers. Uh, Seth, you wrote up in the Chief of the North newsletter this week. Uh, we're looking back to look forward a little bit, and I'll, I'll do some on the offensive side as well. But you wrote about the Chiefs' defense and uh, the ways they kept that game from getting even more out of hand than like it was going to be early on. It was 14-0. It certainly should have been 17-0. It probably should have been 21-0. Uh, but, but you have not yet found the desire to uh to, to get really really concerned about not just every but any level of the Chiefs defense what did you see when you took a closer look at that well what I've decided to do is treat the first uh approximately 15 minutes of the Chiefs Raiders game like our last episode of only weird games pretend it doesn't exist non-canonical <laughs> and so what I did instead was I focused on something a lot more fun the end of the game because man lots of things went well then um, one of my favorite drives that the, the Chiefs have had all year on the defensive side of the ball came early in the fourth quarter where the, the Raiders were down 11. There's a little, about, a little under eight minutes left in the game. You need points, right? Instead, they went four and out, basically ended the game. Even though the Chiefs only got a field goal out of it, they were able to drag another three, four minutes out, uh, go up 14, the game was over. And one of my favorite things about that drive and something that I think is worth at least keeping an eye on as we look forward to Chiefs-Packers is the way that playmakers at every level of the defense mattered on that particular drive and and affected the coverages that they were able to call, the variety of things they were able to call. And then when you get to up front, so first and 10, Charles Amena, who just beats Colton Miller like he stole something, although not really because, I mean, he didn't actually hurt him. He just ran around him. And I don't know why you'd run around someone who stole something, but maybe like he, he got around, like Colton Miller was a security guard and Charles Amena yeah. stole something. Yeah, Charles Amenahu was on his way to steal something. And he was excited about it because he was moving. 
<laughs> it was Black Friday, black when people actually went out for Black Friday, right? And so he, he has pressure. He has oh, pressure yeah. on he has pressure on O'Connell so quickly. Ooh, did you get something on Black Friday? I got this Furby once. This is what video side here. It's the old uh, tuxedo uh Furby. Oh, my mom can see this now that she, she knew I had this back in my little display. This nice. is a, a, the Black Friday Hall of a Lifetime somewhere in the late 90s. People don't understand the psychotic behavior that went into getting a hold of Furbies. I Let do. me just tell you. Yeah, your, your, your mom straight up killed someone for that. Yeah, like, it was. Yeah, I, I, I've still got. I, I, it's actually, it's, it's, a, it's the tuxedo Furby, except for it, its mane is just sort of, uh, I would say like a red tie dye. I don't know what happened, but it's very, I love him. Yeah, hey, it, it works out well. Um, so, similarly to, to Josh's mom at a Black Friday special getting him a Furby, uh, Charles Amenahu, he, he creates pressure so quickly on that first down that it, I, I kept thinking it was a scream because he got by so fast. But when I look at the scheme and then uh, the, the blocking scheme and then the routes run, I don't think it was. I just think he destroyed Colton Miller. On second and third down, or on second down, you, you see some good coverage. You see some pressure from Deshaun Wharton. Um, and then third down, you have Drew Tranquil because you can do psychotic things with your rotations, is able to go from one side of the field to the other and tackle Hunter Renfro a yard short of the first down. And then, of course, fourth down, you have Chris Jones being impossible to deal with and destroying a play. And what I love about that, the Chiefs' defense is elite this year. Um, they're, they're a high-level defense. They've been very good in every single game, every single one of them. Um, it, like, had the Chiefs offense given them any support against the Eagles? I don't know if the Eagles put up more than 14 points because it just it took time after time after time of the offense failing. And where where their strength is is they don't have necessarily anywhere that's that's below average at all at any level of of the defense. Their pass rush could be better. It's not elite. Um, their linebacker group isn't elite. Their secondary, I think, probably is elite. But they are very good everywhere, and they can play any style of game. And that's one thing that you saw late against the Raiders that I think is going to benefit them against the Packers and basically any team because they can play any style of football that they need to. Um, and it's just such a cool thing to watch after years of defenses that have been decent but flawed or just real bad if you go back a little farther. This is also from the Raiders game, but as I mentioned on, on Only Word Games on Monday, I like straight up missed the first drive or two of the game because right. um, I was trying to help my little sister get the hook out of the beak of an Ibis that is doing well now, by the way. It's getting re-released. Uh, it's a great story for everybody involved, except for the Raiders, because uh, this is what happened early on. I went back through and was you know trying to say, like, okay, so what, what, what was actually happening there outside of the chaos of the way I was watching that game in a weird circumstance? It was a lot of, of I think, by-the-book successful but relatively short runs from Josh Jacobs, the Raiders' offense, Aiden O'Connell handling, handling pressure pretty well, like we talked about. It was a lot of short, successful plays, and then you get a 33-yarder to Devontae Adams on the first drive, yep. and third and five, you know, third down, get off the field opportunity. It ends up being a touchdown instead of what would have been, you know, I'm pretty sure, settling for a field goal there instead. That's the Raiders making a play, and the Chiefs having to wear that. Then they got to third and six until Jacoby Myers caught that pass on third and six in the second drive. Yep. Third and 11 at the 22, um, they, they got behind the sticks because they they absolutely uh, smothered Josh Jacobs on, on second down. Rush four, Aiden O'Connell steps up, it's a dart to Adams. Should Really close to a first down, they should have gone for it after that. They kick the field goal, they miss it, obviously. And then Josh Jacobs' next drive just houses one from a million yards out, and several things seem to go wrong on that play. 
going through back, you know, like play log stuff very simplistically because that didn't happen again in the second half at all. Josh Jacobs had eight carries for 16 yards. Devontae Adams had zero catches. I, I am not looking back at that and seeing any sort of consistent unsolved right. questions, right? It, it was a couple of, of broken plays or, or, or Devontae Adams making a play. You're all right. Yeah, that's fine. Zach Wilson made some great throws uh, in that Jets game. Also, Zach Wilson and Aiden O'Connell got to have a couple of the best moments that a quarterback has had against the Chiefs defense this year. Sometimes football's a silly sport where the ball isn't round. Weird things happen. But I, I am getting the feeling also from, from you here that there is no particular fear that the Chiefs defense is not authentically what we've seen it be to this point. So pivoting to a, a Packers team that does not have Devontae Adams, uh, but has a, a little stable of young, improving uh, wide receivers. Steve Spagnuolo said on Thursday that the Packers wide receivers remind him a little bit of the Chiefs defensive backs last year. You can He expanded on it a little bit, and it's kind of a funny comparison because they're very different positions that go head-to-head. Um, so is there anything right now with, with this version of Jordan Love or the Packers offense that you think might be a legitimate kind of crack for the Chiefs defense? I think really, I like the way that you framed that with what happened against the Raiders. It wasn't any kind of particular um, crack in the foundation. It was either someone on the other team just making a really good play. So like another example of that would have been later on in the game when Trent McDuffie gave up like a 20, 30 yard uh, play down the the right sideline, the coverage was perfect. Just the throw was perfect, and there was a great catch. And 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 perfect offense beats perfect defense in today's NFL. And the big thing about that, what makes that important, is because is that it's about consistency. Can you keep doing that? And the Chiefs' defense this year has forced teams. It's like you've got to execute really, really well all across the board, and not just execute well but go above and beyond to borderline perfection to, to move the ball on us. So you might be able to do it for a drive. You might break off one giant touchdown if you've got one of the best running backs in the game who happens to get one, alone one-on-one against a safety who is who's not Brian Cook or Justin Reed. Because I think if that was Reed or Cook, I especially Cook, I think they would have been able to at least slow him down long enough for the rest of the defense to rally. You can maybe do that. But can you do it consistently? No team has done it consistently against the Chiefs, and they've played some really, 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 really good offenses. I mean, it's not like the the Chargers' offense is inconsistent, but it's really good. The Lions' offense is really good. The Dolphins' offense is really good. The Eagles' offense has been really good, um, at least especially lately. I mean, these are good offenses, and none of them have been able to perform against the Chiefs. Really, if if the offense was what it was, if the Chiefs' offense was what it was last year, the Chiefs would be undefeated right now. It's an unfortunate thing. Actually, I hadn't thought of it that way. So I, I don't know why I did that. It's it's really a long road to a short thought, which has been kind of a theme for today, that the in terms of what the Packers do, the Chiefs are kind of starting to reach that point that we'll see because the Packers have a really good offensive line. And that maybe is something they haven't quite faced. You know, okay, we can't get pressure with four. What are we going to do? Maybe that's what happens. Or maybe they still get a little pressure with four. And then you're thinking, hey, great. It's more about what the Chiefs can do than what opposing offenses can do. There's not a thing to pick at. And so if they're able to do something exceptionally, they'll move the ball. That drive. You want to do it again? You want to move the ball again? You've got to do it exceptionally again. The next drive. And then the next drive. And the next drive. And I think that's where really good defenses wear you down. Especially when you're good at all three levels. 
I was thinking there, oh man, I'm not sure we actually really declared a thing. But then the thing that you just declared is that the Chiefs defense doesn't have a thing to pick at. So nice. Take that, I guess. That's our one thing. Thanks to Joshua Briscoe and Seth Kaiser on Only Weird Games. It's been really great having them. And a reminder, you can hear us uh, and them on Tuesdays and on Thursdays. You're always getting now two live shows, both of those shows, Only Weird Games and Casey Laboratory, Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's a big content day over at Casey Sports Network. That's been five things getting you ready for Chiefs and Packers. Thank you all so much for listening, for watching Casey Sports Network content. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later.